You're listening to another episode of the Coaster 101 podcast. I'm Andrew Stilwell, and if you were listening last week, you noticed we teased a little bit of a special guest on this week's podcast. And down in Orlando, uh, actually later this week, Icebreaker, the park's new for 2022 roller coaster, is opening. And while I can't get down to Orlando right away to ride it, I brought somebody on the podcast who knows the ins and outs of this ride better than pretty much anybody I know. So please join me in welcoming Rob McNicholas, SeaWorld Orlando's Vice President of Operations to the podcast. Rob, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. And I know, you know, you're a 20 year, 20 plus year veteran of the SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment. Let's before we get into Icebreaker, let's get a little bit into your background. It's, you know, again, 22 years in the industry with one company is definitely nothing to kind of sneeze at. So, yeah, it's, it's been a fun 22 years. You know, I, I started my career back in 2000 um, at Busch Gardens Williamsburg. So I was I was in high school. Um, I was a competitive swimmer my entire life, and so I was going to be a lifeguard. That's just what made sense. And it was boring as all could be. So it wasn't for me. Um, so I saw Bush Gardens Williamsburg was hiring. I thought, what the heck, why not? Um, despite the silly costumes they had us wearing at the time, it was a great job. And I started at Alpengeist, um, which is, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure your listeners know, just, just an absolutely fantastic coaster. Um, it fits in so well with ter- the terrain in Williamsburg. It's just, it's just perfect. So I started there, seasonal job. It was nothing more than that. But, you know, at the end of that first season, I felt the itch and kind of thought, wow, this is, this is kind of fun. It, this, this, this could be more than just a high school job, but maybe it's a, a, a low career job, a beginning stepping stone. Who knows what it could be? So worked my way up um, in, in multiple ranks. But it was a seasonal park at the time. There wasn't many full-time opportunities. So uh, didn't become full-time until I graduated college um, in 2005. I waited one year. I gave myself one year to become full-time. And if it didn't happen, I'd go elsewhere. And in 2006, I was lucky enough to be uh, hired as operations manager in Williamsburg, where I spent five years. Um, in my time there, opened up great rides, Curse of Dark Castle, which is not running anymore, but was a great attraction for that park. Opened up Griffin, was my first uh, coaster as a manager. And then in 2011, I went out west to become director of operations at SeaWorld San Diego and was there for seven years before returning back to Virginia and then returning, I'm sorry, then going down south to SeaWorld Orlando in my current role as, as vice president operations. So it's been a fun 22 plus years. Not many careers afford you the opportunity to work where people pay to have fun. And I think that's what keeps us going in this industry is it, every day is something different and it's always something fun. I love it. That is awesome. And you did mention Bush Gardens, Williamsburg, and SeaWorld San Diego, uh, new coasters of their own this year. But that's not the point of this podcast. We are here to talk Icebreaker, uh, the multi-launch, multi-pass launch coaster from Premier Rides. Um, if you're not familiar with the stats, it's got 1,900 feet of track. Uh, it's got a 93-foot tall scorpion tail kind of beyond vertical spike, uh, top speed of 52 miles per hour. And you traverse that 1,900 feet of track. You go a little bit more. It's about 2,750 feet of track traversed through the multiple passes. But, Rob, I got to touch on this a little bit. You know, SeaWorld Orlando, especially when it comes to roller coasters, is 
they're known for what I'm going to call their big three. Mako, Kraken, and Manta. Three stupendous, outstanding, amazing B&M roller coasters. But, you know, when you get right down to it, the coaster product, there's nothing really in between. Obviously, Journey to Atlantis was the park's kind of first roller coaster water ride, however we want to define that. Coaster nerds are going to count it for the credit because that's what we do. And then the Shamu Express, which is now a a Grover-themed ride for Sesame Street, there was nothing kind of in the middle kind of to bridge that gap. So how was the decision made to kind of focus more on a family-friendly kind of tweener coaster, if you will? So, you know, we listen to our guests and our pass holders and what they're truly looking for. Um, and, and we hear it a lot, right? You know, we are a, a family park. We have something in Orlando that no one else has. We have inc- incredible animals, amazing events, and thrilling rides. But we were missing the audience in terms of those who are below 54 inches. All three of those coasters, while they're fantastic, all have 54-inch height requirements. So, so we are excluding portions of the family from riding some attractions, so we knew a couple things we wanted to do when we were developing Icebreaker. And that was, we wanted the launch coaster. We wanted it family thrill is what we called it uh, with a lower height requirement. And we wanted it to keep energizing that we call it the South side of the park. Um, we've invested heavily, but there was the wild Arctic area, you know, is a little older and we really wanted to bring some fresh life there. So I think we hit all three Um, points here with it being a lower height requirement, a launch coaster in an area of the park that needed some energy. Got it. And, you know, obviously SeaWorld corporate has had success in the past with premier rides before with Tempesto and Electric Eel at uh, Busch Gardens, Williamsburg and SeaWorld San Diego. It's like there's a theme here between these uh, three parks. Was was premier decided just kind of based on the fact that they could offer this as you said, family thrill product that wasn't the tallest, fastest, the EST coaster. I mean, working with them in the past, obviously there were successes. You guys were happy. And was that kind of how it came to be with Premier ultimately providing the final product for SeaWorld Orlando? Yeah. So, so Premier is a, a fantastic manufacturer and, and Jim Shea um, has a, rep- a great reputation um, that, that we all know about. And, you know, we started working with Premier in the summer of 2018. Um, I say we finalized the design in the fall, uh, late fall of 2018. Um, but, you know, yeah, you're right. We, we had Tigris, Tempesto, Electric Eel, all fantastic skyrocket coasters from Premier. And, and Premier has been a great partner um, for our company. And Icebreaker in Orlando is just another example of a great collaboration um, and teamwork, which resulted in a world-class attraction. So yeah, they're a fantastic partner. Um, we love working with them and, and we're happy to have the fourth coaster um, right here in Orlando. I love it. And you know, you mentioned fall of 2018. The footprint of Icebreaker is, it's a pretty unique looking footprint. It's not your traditional oval-shaped or out-and-back coaster. How did you guys work to kind of fit that shoehorn that roller coaster into the uh, the wild Arctic area of the park? Well, thankfully, that's not my job. Okay, because if it was, it wouldn't look as good. Um, our, our design team um, is is some of the best in the industry, and they really did find a way to to, to point shoehorn this this coaster 
into a very tight area, right? It's right next to our Orca encounter. It's by Wild Arctic. It goes behind our Bayside Stadium. So um, they did one heck of a job in designing this. And we wanted to make sure that just because the footprint's so small, it doesn't mean that the track and the ride length have to be so small. You hit down that at the beginning. So how do you add ride length without tr uh, additional track? You know, there's kind of two ways, right? You can either do a show element, which we don't have on this ride, uh, which we do have, you know, say a Manta in San Diego or mm -hmm. Verbalton in Williamsburg, or you, you use the same piece multiple time doing launches. So it's a quad launch coaster that adds substantial length in a very um, small footprint. So yeah, our engineers are one heck of a team and designed a fantastic family friendly thrill ride in a very tight footprint. Yeah. And you, you did touch on that. So that was kind of how it was decided to go with a, a multi-pass launch more than something like Manta at SeaWorld San Diego. That is, again, you just, you have that show building, but you have multiple launches throughout the course of the ride, but it is just a full circuit coaster as opposed to forwards, backwards, forwards, backwards. And yep. okay. That makes sense. And, you know, recently, SeaWorld Orlando, uh, the most recent additions to the park were the retheming of the kids area to Sesame Street. There's the addition of Infinity Falls, even Riptide Race over to Quadiga. You guys have focused a lot on shared family experiences. Can you talk a little bit kind of about SeaWorld's commitment to families getting to experience the park together? Sure. Yeah. You know, families are our largest demographic that come to our park. And we want to make sure we're offering them a wide portfolio of attractions. And I think our most recent capital expenditures kind of show that, right? Between uh, we went with Mako and then we went towards Infinity Falls, went towards Sesame Street. And now you have a family thrill attraction in, in Icebreaker. So we're certainly committed to providing experiences um, for the family. And, you know, there's, there's over the years been the tallest, fastest, steepest, this, or whatever it may be. Um, that is great and serves a purpose, but we wanted to have a ride that is for the family, still thrilling and is repeatable. And I think we certainly achieved that with icebreaker. Okay. Yeah. That makes a, it makes a ton of sense. And like you said, your core target audience, they are families. And again, you've got this new, brand new attraction um, that can appeal to more than just the the major thrill seekers who are going to ride Mako, Manta, and Kraken for sure. I've got to address the elephant in the room, though. So this roller coaster, you finished it in fall 2018. It was announced sometime, I believe, mid-fall 2019 for a 2020 opening. And if you've been living in the world for the past two-plus years, you know what happened. Yeah. It was ready to go. And everything shut down. And I've got to ask you, kind of as a someone in the park who is there on a constant basis, obviously, what was it like, you know, walking through the park and seeing this completed roller coaster, knowing that, you know, guests wouldn't be able to experience it immediately? And, you know, it's again, you've got this big orange structure that even social media, you guys weren't talking about it. What was it like for you personally, you know, knowing it was there, but guests weren't able to ride it? Yeah, no, I, I sympathize with the guests. Heck, I, I couldn't ride it for the longest time, right? And it, it, we all were anxious to hop on. And the, the past two years, we all know it, like you said, and they've been challenging um, for the world. And, and the tourism industry is not exempt from that. Uh, we all know how challenging it was. And 
Well, we certainly wanted to launch this coaster at the right time. And I think um, the lineup we have launching this year for our entire company, whether it be Icebreaker, Iron Gwazi, Pantheon, uh, Emperor, so on and so forth, you know, I think we're primed for our best year yet with the attractions mm-hmm. we have. But certainly, um, I, I felt for guests. And, and a lot of guests who, who came to the park may not even know we're, we're building something and they see a an attraction that's closed and they're upset because I'm here today. Oh, I didn't even know it was new and it's not open yet, but in their eyes, it was just another closed attraction that they may have come across. So certainly sympathize with them, sympathize with the team. We were ready to go, but uh, we're all engines going now. We we couldn't be excited, more excited to, to officially launch it February 18th. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, I know pass holder previews are going on, as we speak, and we're recording this a little bit in advance, but how has early reception been from those who have had the chance to ride it? Fantastic. So um, it's not the tallest, it's not the fastest, it's not going to you know, break the record books, and that that's not what we were going for. Um, I stood there on uh, media day, I, I rode the ride many times doing interviews across the country. I think I rode 15 times that day for live onboard interviews. And uh, we had the American Coaster Enthusiasts here with us, and I think they, they really enjoyed it. But spending a lot of time at the attraction, um, listening to feedback, what the guests like, um, and, and they really, the, the most common theme is it exceeds their expectations, right? Because it's, it's not the tallest or fastest. And some of the most fun features are in a back area that you can't really see from the park. So it kind of catches you by surprise. And and the most unique fun thing I think is for those who have been to the park and rode our rides, um, icebreaker, you get more airtime on icebreaker than you do on Mako. And when I first heard that, I thought there's, there's no way like it's Mako. You're kidding me, right? You know, Mako is one heck of a ride, but it does. You, you get more airtime on icebreaker. So I think people get on it thinking, okay, it's not the fastest, not the tallest. Uh, there's no inversions, right? So their expectations aren't that high. And when they get off, like, wow, that was great. And then most often we see them get back in line again and ride it one more time. So feedback has been fantastic so far. Yeah. I've got to ask, what's it like giving a live interview on a roller coaster and doing that over and over like multiple times? Well, well, thankfully I had a partner that we could swap in and out. So it wasn't nonstop. Okay. Uh, the older I get, the the less I can ride attractions like I used to. Uh, but no, th- this is a very repeatable ride, so it's fine. Um, the, the the most challenging thing with it was riding with an earpiece um, while looking at a camera. Because sometimes I had someone sitting next to me and we were talking. But most times it was just a live on-air hit for a station. We had stations in Oklahoma, in Ohio. Uh, my hometown in Hampton Roads, Virginia, I was on air with them and there's a delay. So it was very challenging to listen in this very small earpiece with people screaming behind you on a coaster and answer questions. So more times than not, I would just keep talking. And if they asked me a question, oh, well, I, I couldn't <laughs> hear you, but it, it, it was a first and it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Well, and writing it, Presumably, you were in the same seat with this cam- with the camera setups. We've all been to media days, and you know you have the the camera set up in the lead car. But presumably, you've ridden this more than just your fifteen times on media day. Give us the inside scoop. What is the best seat to go after on Icebreaker? I guess it depends on what your preference, right? So, mm-hmm. 
I think seat is is challenging, right? I'll, I'll give you a row. So of course you got okay. front and back. We'll keep it simple. Um, front row. I'm a front row guy over a back row. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very very smooth. Um, you get whipped over the top hat, and then you hang over the top hat until the rest of the train comes up and you and you go down. We all know that sensation. So it's really fast, um, very smooth in the front. The back is where. You go up Florida's tallest beyond vertical spike. You come out of your seat. You're hanging over a little bit. You go flying down through the fourth launch and whipped up and over the top hat, and you get whipped down. So if you're looking for the thrill, which I think those on this call, this um, this podcast are, I would say the back is certainly preferable. But each row is a different sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, I do kind of compare very different rides, but... I remember working on Griffin in Virginia. Rows one, two, and three are all very, very different, especially with that first drop. Same mm-hmm. with this. Row one, two, and three. I'd say three is the um, is the most intense, if the best word to use. Row one or coach one will be the second, and of course, coach two in the middle would be the the, the tamest of all the coaches. Okay, but you're you're saying ride it multiple times, figure it out for yourself. Of course, heck yeah. I love yeah, it. it's it you, you you'll find it, but I imagine it, it really is between row one and row three. I love it, and so we've talked about the the different elements here, and we've talked that it's an airtime machine, airtime monster. What's something about Icebreaker that's going to surprise not just coaster enthusiasts, but maybe the you know Joe Q public average guest? Um, you know, I I think you know already hitting on it is is the airtime. It really packs a punch um, because the, the, you know these little camelback humps are they're they're nothing substantial, but they really pack a punch. So I would say airtime would probably be the most followed closely by how repeatable the ride is. You know when you when you look at coasters out there and at this park, I mean that they are they are tall and they are fast, multiple avert, inversions. After you ride it one time, you may want to go watch one of our shows and just kind of mellow out for a little while, right? Icebreak, you can hop right back in line. So uh, I would say airtime followed closely by repeatability. Okay, very cool. And I do have to ask this question. I I would lose my podcasting license if I didn't. But Icebreaker obviously is the it's the new centerpiece in what I'm going to call this wild Arctic area. Um, are there further plans to kind of enhance this area in the future um without asking directly about wild arctic i'm gonna ask about wild arctic you know i think uh we always plan years out for our attractions um Mm -hmm. there's lots of rumors out there right now about what's coming next i've seen them online for myself i'm not going to confirm or deny what i've seen out there um in regards to wild arctic itself it's a world-class animal exhibit we have right there. Mm-hmm. Um, we we changed out our Mango Joe's restaurant to a refreshed altitude burger. We add the glacial bar. So we're doing a lot. And, you know, we're talking about rides and coasters here. But when we talk about Wild Arctic, you know, we did some upgrades to the exhibit last year. And last year was a really big year for our zoological facilities. Mm-hmm. We changed out our sea lion show, our dolphin show. We changed out our, our Key West area, our dolphin nursery, our shark encounter. We did a lot. So I think, you know, you got a lot of people who love the rides and some who love the animals. Last year was a, was a really heavy animal year for us in terms of investment. So it's, it's not to be forgotten. It's still a focus for ours for sure. 
Um, but there are plans down the road for further development in this area. And we'll kind of just kind of see what happens. I love it. It's a very, that was a very, it's like you've done this before with that, with that kind of answer. I love it. <laughs> I gotta, you know, let's talk altitude burgers. Do you yeah. also want to talk the glacier bar, which I've seen online as people calling it the best theme park bar, not only in Orlando, but the, the country. How do you feel about that level of praise? It's fantastic. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, here's the thing is, is we have a couple fantastic bars at this park, right? We have our mm-hmm. Flamecraft bar where, <coughs> excuse me, we often have live music playing. Uh, we have the sports TVs, TVs with sports games going on. So if you're here with the family and you want to watch the NFL game, we have it on. Uh, we have our Sharks bar, right, where you're looking at a world-class animal exhibit. And we have our newest bar, Glacial Bar, which really is a lot of fun, some great cocktails, frozen drinks. And I tell you, it was most highlighted this past year during our first year of Hollow Scream. It was always packed. People love it. It's a great area. There's a TV for every single NFL game um, at one time playing in there. So again, if you're the dad or the mom and you want to sit down and have a beer and watch the game, it's it's a perfect place. But it, it really is a great um, attraction in a space that was kind of underutilized, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so it's 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 a great addition to our park for sure. I did see that it was like in the like the days of work from home where people were working from anywhere. I know I saw several people who would bring their laptops and just work for work remotely from the glacial bar. So that's got to be cool too, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, work and have a beer. I I couldn't complain about that. So I did see that myself. I did see quite a few people. Uh, Perched up at the bar, having a uh, having a beer while working. Yeah, we won't tell their boss. It's fine. No, it'll be fine. Well, what we could go. go wrong? Well, obviously, again, the eighteenth uh, end of this week, Icebreaker is opening. But what else can we look forward to at SeaWorld Orlando, Aquatica, Discovery Cove, the Greater SeaWorld Orlando property in twenty twenty two? It's it's a year full of events for sure for SeaWorld Orlando. Um, you know, we have our Seven Seas Craft Beer Festival is going right now. We jump right into one of everyone's favorite um, electric ocean with the all with our fantastic nighttime show Ignite. We go into our craft beer festival, then Spooktacular with Hollow Scream at night. Um, Hollow Scream last year was a great addition to our park. Our entertainment team knocked out of the park, and year two is going to be bigger and better. And then we have one of everyone's favorite Christmas. So it's a great year of events uh, with Icebreaker open. Um, preview Icebreaker will be in the footprint of Hollow Scream. So inside tip there. So we'll have that running, which would be a really nice addition. Um, Aquatica, it, it's a very, very large year for them with um, expansion. Um, they're looking across the board at, at restaurant items to more seating, um, they're opening up a new slide. There's lots going on at Orlando's Water Park Thrill Leader. Um, so that's great. And Discovery Cove, if you have never been, even if you're a coaster junkie, it's the place to go for a day to unwind. You forget you're even in Orlando. You're in a tropical oasis with dolphins, tropical fish, sea otters. It is a slice of heaven here in Orlando. So if you've not been and you're in town, I encourage you go to Discovery Cove, and this year is is prime for another great year at that park. So across the board, we're excited, and then of course, right down the road, um, Iron Guazi is is roaring to open, and I know everyone's excited for that one. So 
um, it, it's it's an exciting year for our company for sure. That's that's all I need to hear. And I've never, I mean, I grew up in Florida, but I've never been to Discovery Cove. And based on your 60 second elevator pitch just now, I know I've got to add a day to my next Orlando vacation to make that happen. You are missing out if you haven't. And I tell you that the coolest thing there is there's an opportunity to put on these scuba helmets that aren't truly scuba helmets. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get onto the bottom of the reef and you walk with a guide looking at tropical fish and rays. And it, it blew my mind how awesome it was. You could actually go scuba diving without having to go through all the hassle of certifications. And it was, it was freaking cool. So if you go there, certainly look at going, I think it's sea Trek. I can't mm-hmm. think of the, the word off the top of my head right now, the name, uh, but it, it's incredible. That's awesome. And I've got to ask you as a, a SeaWorld parks, entertainment life and i'm not asking for a hint or anything i'm this is personal preference if you could bring an attraction from any of the other sea world properties to sea world orlando so from a bush gardens or from sesame place or from one of the other sea world parks presumably you've been around you've experienced them all what would you like to see most at sea world orlando can i pick two absolutely okay so uh, I may be biased because I've worked on both. Um, <clears throat> I think Manta San Diego, the mock launch coaster, is tremendous. The seat is so comfortable. Uh, the show element, again, just like Icebreaker, it exceeds your expectations. Uh, low to the ground maneuvers, it's a lot of fun. Um, so Manta, without a doubt, I would bring that here. Second, one of my number four favorite ride at Busch Gardens Williamsburg is Finnegan's Flyer. The SNS Scream and Swim. Uh-huh. I think it is unbelievable. Packs a punch. I would say at Williamsburg, I would probably do Apollo, Griffin, Verbolton, Finnegan's Flyer in that order. So I would love to see something like that. Um, we'll have to see what happens down the road. But yeah, I would say Manta and Finnegan's Flyer. I love it. Finnegan's Flyer, I was there for the media day for that. It is such a unique experience. And I've still, we've got the video on our YouTube channel of the guy who had the foot camera, like filming my reaction. It was so fun. I would. It's an, it's an awesome ride. And SeaWorld Texas, of course, is yep. opening up um, this summer or late spring, I should say, um, the world's tallest. So it, it's one heck of a ride. I, I, I'm a big fan of those attractions. So I, I would definitely pick that. Very cool. Anything else you would like our audience to know before we wrap this podcast up and put it to bed? No, you know, I really think, you know, it's a great year. It's an exciting year for our company as a whole, Uh, whether you're in Florida, Virginia, Texas, California, there's some of our great attractions opening up everywhere. Um, There's even a, a, a bus, kiddie bus ride opening up the Sesame Place in Philadelphia. So there's something for everyone this year. And I, I tell you, if you come down, check out icebreaker if you see me in the park say hi i'm always out there would love to chat with you but um it's been a pleasure talking to you and and come down and say hi soon absolutely rob thank you so much for your time and that's going to do it for this week's episode of the coaster 101 podcast Uh, make sure you're following us on social media we are at coaster 101 everywhere you can consume the platform twitter facebook instagram tiktok linkedin Pinterest. We're on all of them. Just find search Coaster 101. You'll find us. We also have a website, Coaster101.com. A lot of great content. As Rob mentioned, we have Shane down at Iron Gwazi Media Day this week. So there'll be some good Iron Gwazi takes. 
And uh, eventually I'm going to get down to Orlando and we'll get our own icebreaker review up there for sure. If you're listening, make sure you're liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, uh, five-star reviews, five-star ratings, all that good stuff. And thanks as always to JM Music Design for our theme music. And we will talk to y'all again soon. See ya. Thank you.